Welcome to Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and equips you to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Then it says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Everyone say good works. Look at your neighbor, say good works. Say you are a good work. God created you, just saying, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Today, if you're taking notes, I want to speak to you from the subject of one word, influence. Can we all say influence? Amen. You guys are good this morning. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated here today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down kind of the main idea of what we're speaking about today, and then I'm going to come and give you some points and some content and share something with you that I believe is incredibly exciting and a game changer in our city. Here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down this. God uses influence to reach people for his purposes. Very simply, God uses influence to reach people for his purposes. And in that time and in that way, influence is used by you, and influence is used by myself. Now, have you ever had this thought about the world, um, about people, or maybe even about a situation that maybe goes like this? This world is falling apart, this person is falling apart, this situation is falling apart, and there is absolutely nothing that can be done. Has anybody ever had that thought come into their mind? Okay, has anybody ever spoke that word actually out of their mouth. I don't, I don't know about you, but I've thought that many times where you look at a situation, you look at a, at, a, at a person, and you just go, goodness gracious, you know, if God doesn't step in here and intervene, this is going to be a lot of trouble. Now, you're looking at me like I'm the only person who might be thinking those thoughts, so now I'm going to look back at you, and I'm going to think that you think that thought too sometimes. We've had that moment where we've kind of gone like, man, this is crazy. I mean, let's, let's go back 15, 16 weeks. Didn't see that coming, crazy thing. And then you go forward and you see all of the things that begin to take place and there's just this, this whole idea of, of, of hopelessness. And sometimes we see it because of the news, we see it depicted by people, we see it by issues that we're facing, but I've also known that, I've known many well-meaning, good-intentioned believers who have thought that everything is hopeless and there is no hope but for the return of Jesus Christ. As if to say what we do right now in this moment while we're here is not good enough. They say, you know what? The only thing that's gonna fix it is Jesus returning. And what I wanna say to you this morning that I believe to be true is it is not the Lord's will for his people to ever lose heart about the potential for change in people, in a community, and in the world. And somebody said, amen. Listen, some of history's greatest revivals, greatest moves of God have come out of some of history's most darkest hours. 
And I believe not only in our world, as we all know, even as we assemble here today in a different way, that we know that we are in a time that is very different. And for some of us, we're still trying to figure out what does it look like? What do we do? How do we go about it to bring about change that this world so, so desperately needs? If you've joined with us for any length of time, you've heard this time and time and time again. Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo exists to inspire and to equip people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We accomplish our purpose in intimacy with God, in community with other believers, and then it's the third one that leads us to today, and an influence in our world. Now here's the thing. That, world, that, that word influence for a lot of people can mean a lot of different things. It could be tricky, but at the same time, it could be very powerful. It could be tricky because some people take the word influence who maybe aren't godly and they use it for a personal agenda or for something to come to pass for them. Matter of fact, if we went to Barnes and Noble downtown or we went on to Amazon, we could see that books written about influence serve an agenda of a person or something, but that's not the type of influence that, that I'm speaking about this morning. This morning, I'm speaking about an influence that is a holy influence that is about getting people to Jesus and stepping away from the status quo. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the status quo isn't working any longer. It just doesn't seem to give people hope. What used to work then, just for some reason, for a lot of reasons, just doesn't seem to work now. I love what John Stout said. He said this. He says, if you develop a Christian mind, you don't concentrate exclusively on the fall of man and the return of Christ. You think about creation. People created in the image of God and the Father's heart for redemption through Jesus. That to me is the difference. That to me is the purpose. That to me is the mission that as I begin to serve God and to get closer to God and to be intimate with God and fellowship with him and gain in community with other people that no matter what I do, it's pushing me to get closer to Christ so that I could be so moved in my heart, in my spirit, in my emotions, and in my mind that I am looking for a way in any way that I possibly can to say this to somebody. How can I get them closer to the life changing power of Jesus because at the end of the day it is not just cliche that is the point that is the reason that is why the church exists the church does not exist to have walls and cameras and all of this it's great we need it we got to get closer to God but the church exists to get beyond four walls to find a way to influence everyone say influence to influence people to know about Jesus we're going to talk about good works today, but it's not so we can look good. It's not so you can look good. It's not so some outside agency can go, wow, look at those guys. They're really on top of it. Will that happen? Sure. They might say it, but at the core of what we do, it's saying that when a person comes to know this Jesus and they live a life, that when it's all said and done and that last breath is breathed, eternity in heaven is their home. It's the point. And it's the one thing that, I, I, I'll say this respectfully or, or, or kindly, I hope people get sick and tired of you saying the same thing. I really do. I hope that when people think about you, they just think, well, man, all that person tells me about is the fact that there's a Jesus, he loves and he cares and he died for them, and they can spend eternity in heaven. 
It's almost like I want people to automatically, <laughs> I don't know if this is good, roll their eyes when they see me coming. Okay, we're probably going to talk about life and how things are going and all that other stuff, but he's going to eventually turn this whole conversation to the fact that Jesus absolutely loves them. I pray that people get tired of hearing me do that same very thing. I really do, because I would much rather have that than the opposite. I would much rather have that than people going, hey, wait a minute, you knew truth? You knew the answer? You knew where I could get help? You knew that the hopelessness that I was feeling could actually be cured by someone and you didn't say anything? I don't want that. Do you want that? I don't think you want that. You guys are a smart bunch. And so it begins with this whole idea of influence. Influence, again, could be a tricky word, but I think that it's a, a powerful word. So here, here's, here's this opening text. Here's Jesus giving these metaphors of, of salt and of light. And in both metaphors, Jesus is actually teaching about the responsibility of believers in a non-believing world. And the distinction is very clear. He says, the world, he says, is like rotting meat, but you are to be the word salt, the world's salt. He says, the world is like a dark night, but you are to be the world's light. He then goes from there, and he goes from this, this idea of distinction to this whole idea of influence. Now the reality is there are a lot of people who focus entirely on maintaining their distinction. What do you mean by that? In other words, we're called to be different. Of course we know that, but we're different. So that's kind of like who they are. That's the distinction. We're different, but they never move into the realm of kingdom influence. In other words, supposed to be different, and that's where I stay. Here's what we should be. We should be different, but it should move us into a place of influence for other people. Respectfully, hiding out in churches, in religious systems, and simply saying we're different is not the goal. The goal is I am different. According to Corinthians, I am a peculiar people. In other words, I am strange because I think differently than the way that you think. I actually think that Jesus can change the world. And to some people, they're like, well, that's just crazy. They should be saying that. But it moves me to a place where I say, look, here's the deal. I want to get you closer. Our calling during this span between the fall and the return of Jesus, specifically in the dispension of grace, is to influence both people and nations. What's the metaphor? The salt has to be rubbed into the meat. The light has to be set up on a lampstand. In ancient times, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have freezers. So they would use that salt to preserve the meat and to keep it. Back in the day, they didn't have the power grid. We're no towers. We're, <laughs> they weren't plugging stuff in. No, it was oil. And it went into a lamp, and it got set up on something, and it brought light. So the question that I want us to wrestle with today, it's actually a simple question. I'm going to give you four answers to it. But the big question is simply this. How do we grow in influence where actual change takes place? I mean, what does that really look like, right? Like, what does it really look like to actually have influence where people's lives are actually changed for the better in all different areas? 
in the, in the spiritual, in the natural, in the physical, in the emotional, in the financial, in any other word you can throw in there. What does it really look like to be people of influence, especially with the sphere of people that are around you that don't know Jesus? What does it actually look like to really make a difference? If you were to be honest with yourself, which I think you would be, I don't know why we say stuff like that. If you were going to be honest, you want to be honest. And you look at the people around you that don't know Christ. Do you actually believe that the influence that you have and the Christ inside of you can actually help push them closer to Jesus? Do you believe that about yourself? Because I know a lot of people who don't. Because they buy into the lie that says, well, you know, I've got to fix some things in my life first for God to really use me in a great way. Oh, man, but I've got this thing going on right here, so there's just no way that would happen. Or even this one, oh, well, that person knows a lot of things about me that aren't as godly as I would care to admit. So, yeah, I don't really think God could use me in my circle of influence to actually point a person closer to Jesus. And what we don't realize, if we're not careful, is you're allowing the enemy to deceive you and to lie to you and to make you think that you have to have everything together for you to make an impact or an influence around somebody around you. And here's the thing. It's Christ in you, the Bible says, that is the hope of glory. It's not you, it's Christ in you. The same Christ that died for all of your sin mistakes that you will make again and again and again and again. For the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. He came for sinners, he came for you. You are going to blow it, but here's the reality. God will still use you in such a way that people will come to know Christ in a powerful way. And listen to me, don't get tripped up on the whole idea that it's going to be the multitude and the hundreds and the thousands. In our midweek series, we've actually been in the book of Acts, chapter by chapter, week by week. And we were talking this past week about the fact, if you look at the early church in the book of Acts, if you look at Philip, and if you look at Peter, thousands upon thousands of people are being impacted and changed. But do you know that when God wanted to change the life of a guy by the name of Saul, first he blinded him and he sent him to one man? And that one man prayed over him, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the rest is completely history. What's my point? If God calls you to impact just one person, you own that. It's not about the multitudes. It's about you saying, hey, God, I want you to use me, especially what we're talking about today, to simply influence people. Okay, so here's the question. How do I grow, or how do we grow in influence where actual change takes place? Number one, you can write this down is we must understand that prayer and influence are connected. They both go together. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that, may be laid, that they may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. What's that word say? All. Can you say all? He desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So we understand that this whole idea of prayer and influence are actually connected. In other words, we got to begin to pray for those who we desire to influence for God. Ed Silvaso, the writer of Prayer Evangelism, wrote this quote, and I thought it was good. He said this. He said, talk to God about your neighbor before you talk to your neighbor about God. I thought that was good. 
the fact that you could begin to pray and to exercise your faith for God to give you insight into the life of the person that you're trying to influence. In other words, God, where are they at? What is their need? God, what is it that I could do to be a blessing in their life? And if you believe that, God will actually speak to you. You see, because when you pray, you are asking the Holy Spirit to create a climate for the gospel in that person's life, many times literally displacing spiritual powers that oppose God. Because every time you pray, something happens in you, something happens in them, and something happens in the spirit realm. So we have to understand that if we want to have influence into the life of a person to push them closer to Jesus, we've got to have a prayer life. There's got to be a moment where we dedicate ourselves to that person. There's got to be times where we separate from what we're doing and we go for a walk and that's the only person we're praying about. If you want to influence someone, you've got to be a person of prayer over that person. It's powerful. Listen, respectfully, why do we so, not, I don't, degrade's not the right word, but why do we place such a low value these days on praying for other people? Come on, let's not play games here. Someone says, I'm sick, what do we say? I'll be praying for you. Let me ask you a question, did you pray for them? Because I haven't done it every time. I've been so guilty of that, yeah, I'll pray for you. Days go by, oh man, forgot to pray for the person. I think we've all been there. Instead of, hey, let me just pray for you right now. The other day we're work, working out and I don't get to tell stories like this too often because normally I'm the one on the ground hurt, but my buddy hurt his back a little bit. Stopped the workout because he's smart, a lot smarter than me. Hung it up for the day. We call it live to work out another day is what we call it. If you get hurt and you're on the ground, just work out another day. And so nonchalantly it happened. And I was so convicted by it. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to head on home. And I said, okay, I'll be praying for you. And I intended to. So he walks all the way out to his truck and and he gets in the truck. And by the time he shut his door, the Holy Spirit convicted me so much. I was like, why did I not pray for him on the spot? Don't people of prayer do that kind of stuff? So, I mean, I walked out to his family and said, would, would you just forgive me real quick? Let me pray for you real fast. This guy's got a family. He's got a career. Doesn't need to hurt back. That moment of like, I don't know if you've been there, but I know I have. It's like, I know prayer's powerful and it works, but why do I place it so down here? Don't, don't do that. Understand your influence in a person's life is predicated upon your prayer life. It's powerful. So that's, that's number one. We must understand that prayer and influence, they're connected. Secondly, we must do this, is we must speak with God's word in love. Look at your neighbor, say in love. Now, Evan, I know she's your girlfriend. I'm not talking about you guys being in love. I'm talking about God's word in love. Listen, it's one thing to speak God's word, and God's word needs to be spoke. Look at Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is, what's that word say? The power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I'm not supposed to be timid about God's word. I've got to speak it. But here's what gets missing sometimes. A lot of us can speak it, but you don't have any love on that. You've got a finger, and it's pointing at a person because their life is messed up. And so many times it's like there's this God that we can't share God's word with them without making it come across wrong. 
Have you guys ever heard that quote, you can be completely right but wrong at the top of your voice? You ever heard that one? It's, it's in a marriage book. <laughs> How fitting, right? In other words, you can be right about what's going on, but the minute you elevate your voice and anger comes across, guess what? You lose every time. And if you don't think that's true, go home, make up something to fight about, and see how far that gets you. It ain't going to go very far. Come on. You guys know what I'm talking about? I love it. Wives are grabbing their husbands. Husbands are like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, you know. Hey, but don't listen. Some of you ladies, though, I know you can get up loud, too. I've seen that passion side of you. I'm like, I just start praying for that guy right now. I mean, you talk about the power of prayer. Jesus, help him. We all do it. We all do it. And here's the deal. You know what I've seen, and we've talked about this over the past couple of weeks, especially on the side of social media. I've seen so many things like, you know what, they're right. But man, there was no love on that. And you wonder why people won't give you the time of day. Because you ain't got no love. Man, we can go to Corinthians, we could talk, I mean, it's like, like the whole clinging symbol scripture and all that stuff. You can have all that. If you ain't got love, man, it's just a bunch of noise. And I really feel in my heart when it comes to influencing people, the minute you can't do things in love, other people see that. Other people feel that. Sometimes it's not even that they hear it, they feel it. It's all over you. Listen, we have to be convinced that God's word is the truth. God's word that sets people free. And listen, we don't need to be defensive and rude about it. We don't need to beat people over the head with it. We don't have to get weird about it. Man, we just gotta understand that God's word is truth. And you know what I've noticed? Like David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But there's something powerful when we devote ourselves to God's word and it gets hidden in our heart. Have you noticed that sometimes those words that God places inside of your heart at just the right time, the remembrance, the Holy Spirit brings it to remembrance and you speak God's word and truth and you see the change it makes on a person. I found myself in a conversation with, uh, for lack of better terms, a God hater a couple weeks ago. And they know that I'm a pastor and a believer and they've made it very clear that they are not. And I'm okay with that. And I can remember we were talking about all these different ways that churches can actually make a difference in their community and all the different ways that we believe that God is the answer. You know, we have a statement around here and it says, if Jesus can't fix it, it can't be fixed. We believe that to be true. Jesus can fix it. And so we were kind of talking and I said, you know, I think there's something very important about kindness. And when I said that statement, the scripture came to mind that is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It was his kindness towards us. And then it's as if God said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, and it's the kindness of you that will help lead a person closer to Jesus. And then I begin to think about the fact that it costs us absolutely nothing to be kind to people. I tell my boys all the time, it will cost you nothing to be kind. So be kind because you never know. Your kindness can show them the love of the Father and that can push someone closer to Jesus. See, when you begin to understand God's word and get it on the inside of you, there's a timing that comes and the Holy Spirit brings it. Look at Proverbs 25, 11. It says, a word fitly spoken. In other words, at the right time is like apples of gold and settings of silver. I guess that looks really cool. Apparently the Bible is a course war thing, okay? Here's the thing. This takes believing, this whole idea of speaking God's word in love, it takes us believing that the word of God is more powerful than the lies 
of the enemy. And that's what we have to believe. What does John 1, 5 say? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. you got to speak God's word. So number one, we have to understand that prayer and influence are connected. Secondly, we must speak with God's word and love. And then thirdly, if somebody wants to make their way back to the, um, the Nord stage three, Nord stage three, I'm doing that for inside thing with my buddy. I got a Nord. Another one? No, I sold the other one. I got this other one. It's bigger. Okay. Oh, sorry. Number three, that we must live in such a way that our lives point to the goodness of God. I know that's a long point, so I'll say it again. It'll stay up on the screen. If we're going to have influence, we must live in such a way that our lives point to the goodness of God. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your, what's it say? Good works. Can we say good works? And glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. And when they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul to the Corinthians said that you're living epistles. And then it says this, known and read by all men. What does that mean? It means that you, the way you live and how you live and the works that you do speak much louder than the words you speak with your mouth. What's the quote? We know it. Preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Sounds cute, but it's true. It's the example you set when you do something for God. And I'm convinced that when we do something for God, if we're helping someone, that some people might not even know that we're believers, but they'll see something good in us. And it will do something in them. See, this is when the truth is most powerful, okay? When it is being lived out. A couple years ago, Pastor Steve, I was up on this stage. Adam, you were here. Chris, I remember you being here. And I shared with you this dream or this vision that I felt would become a reality in the city of San Luis Obispo and along the Central Coast. I shared with you that wouldn't it be amazing one day if we had a place, a warehouse, where we could store away things, items, that could help people in their time of need, whether it be items or food or supplies. And I shared with you that day that there was a lady in a Tascadero just right up the hill who was homeless, who completed a one-year program. Some of you remember this. Drug-free. She finished the program. And through the city, she got placed in an apartment. And she had a job, but here's the problem. She had nothing at all. And so because of CityServe in Bakersfield, which really, I mean, this is years ago, which now is just everywhere, we were able to drive down. And that day I, I, I made a request from the stage and I said, um, 
we need to help this lady because she has nothing. We need to furnish her home. And this is a great time for the church to step in and actually be the church. And so that day I, I didn't have a truck and we didn't have a trailer. So I made a plea for a truck and a trailer. And Chris is like, I have a really big truck and it's bigger than your small little truck that he calls tiny, by the way. And so he has a really, really big truck and he makes fun of my really, really small truck. But there's going to come a day where my small truck is no longer my truck and my truck is bigger than your truck and it's going to be awesome. And she's like, hey, I got a big truck. I'm like, good, because mine can't haul nothing. It's like a five-foot bed. And then that day, there was a gentleman who visited our church. I believe it was his first time, if I remember right. Well, he had a trailer, like a hydraulic one, too. Like, it was bad to the bone, had a little cover on it. Contacts me after service, says, hey, I've got the trailer that you need. And that's a whole other story in and of itself. So Chris and I got together and we drove down to Bakersfield and we loaded the truck and the trailer as high as we possibly could. Brought it back. I think we kept it here, secured it all up somehow. Or you parked at the house, I can't remember. And the next day we woke up and we met this, this lady at her home. Her brand new home. She'd been living on the streets with a drug addict. And we furnished it. A couch, a table, a bed, items for the, the bathroom. Matter of fact, that day we even took up an offering, if you remember, many of you guys gave to it. And Chris and I walked her into a store and she grocery shopped. She filled like two or three carts, if I remember right. But I remember that day I talked about the fact, what, what if we could do it for more than just one person? What, what if we could be a place, the Church of Jesus Christ could be a place, the churches of San Luis Obispo could be the place where when something tragically happens, that we can help. And I said two years ago, I said, there's going to come a day where we're going to have a place to do that. We're going to have the ability to do that. And so what I want to share with you guys is just one of the steps that's even pushing us closer to that because that, that dream is still a dream at this point. But I believe the Lord has given us a catalyst to make a difference right here and right now. So about three weeks ago, I get a pastor from, from Pismo, New Life, David Hutzko, or hopefully I'm saying his name right, I just call him Dave, reached out to me because we did a prayer walk here, many of you guys know, 400 people showed up, and we walked from here all the way downtown, praying for our city. He joined us that day, was blown away by a city that would take time to pray when everybody else is doing what they're doing I felt in my heart that spiritually we needed to pray over our city and so that's what we did and he showed up that day well about two days later he gives me a phone call and says hey I want you to join a, a meeting it's a zoom meeting we got an opportunity to do something on the very same day that he called me I get a text message from Pastor Wendell and a text message from Carl Hargiston who's been with us here before overseas city serve at the same time that pastor told me that in a few weeks they would be receiving a shipment of food boxes from the farm to families initiative for them it's through world vision of boxes of food to give out to the community and he wanted to know if we wanted to be a part of that and so i got on the zoom call that day and checked it all out and started to put the pieces together and i said yeah you know this sounds a little familiar here because he's saying this, but Pastor Wendell and Carl are saying, I think this is the same thing. 
And so I got off the phone call with him, and I made a phone call to only find out that it was. And I said, what would it take for San Luis Obispo to actually be able to do this as well? Because I started thinking through the dynamics of, okay, if we partner with Pismo, that's not a bad thing to do, but now we've got to line up trucks. We've got to go down there. It's produce, it's meats, it's all this different stuff, and we don't have cold storage. So I'm like, we'd have to go down there, get them put up in a bunch of trucks, bring it back here, unload it, let the community know about it, give them all out, and I'm like, man, that, that seems crazy. But then this thought came. I was like, well, wait a minute. If, if this pastor is down further south on the coast and we created a hub right here in San Luis Obispo and then maybe down the road we can find someone in the Atascadero Pastoral area, we can literally serve the whole central coast with those in need that have been hit by this pandemic that simply need food. Simple need. Food. And so all of a sudden I texted Pastor Window and Pastor Steve, you'll know this to be true. And I was like, what do you think I should do? And if you know Pastor Wendell, there, there's, there's no dreaming small. And I like that actually. Kind of scary to be perfectly honest. I think that's kind of a really great place to be. And he said, Rich, you, you, do, you need to do what you feel God's putting on your heart to do for the city upon which you live and for your church. And so I wrestled, and Derek will tell you, and the men in our men's group will tell you. I shared it a little bit with our Wednesday group, and I thought, man, 1,800 boxes every single Tuesday delivered to San Luis Obispo with this idea or with the premise of you have to move all 1,800 boxes in a day because if you don't, the boxes go bad. And I wrestled with it for like two weeks. In some moments going like, oh, we got this. No problem. We can do this and this and this and this. To the next thought being like, oh my goodness, we can't do this. That's crazy. I'm just going to drive down to Pismo, grab two, three hundred boxes. And then it's almost as if God said, so wait a minute. You, you mean to tell me that I can't make this happen? It's in my prayer time. And all of a sudden, something in me just said, you know what? Why am I doubting something like this? Like, two years ago, I said, as a church, wouldn't it be awesome to meet the needs of people in our church? And these boxes come fully wrapped. Done. I'm not talking like you get a big truck and you create a line with hundreds of volunteers and you make all these boxes. They come done, wrapped on a pallet. All you got to do is take it off, give it away. That sounds real simple. Some of you are going like, praise God for that. Because you've done those when you're, when you're stuffing boxes. Junior's over there laughing, man. That guy's done more than probably his fair share. I'm like, this is too good to be true. So after two weeks of wrestling with it, I call, I call the gentleman who's over it, and I go, hey, we're in. What do we need? He's like, well, pretty much it'll be this day, and here's the drop-off times, and you need pallet jacks and a forklift. And I'm like, like a forklift, like an expensive forklift. He's like, yeah. He goes, if you don't have those things, you can't do it. Now at this point, this is two weeks ago. So in my head, I'm going like, we ain't got a forklift. We ain't got pallet jacks. God, thank you for showing me a sign. We are not ready for this. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. 
I know we're supposed to do it. And it's scary in a good way. So I told the gentleman, I said, we're, we're in. We want to do this. So I got off the phone, and immediately I made a phone call. There's a pastor's group. We meet the final Thursday of every month for prayer in our, in our town, in our city. So it just so happened that this past Thursday was our get-together. I mean, the timing of this is just crazy. So I had that phone call on a Monday. We have prayer on Thursday. So I call a couple of the pastors and say, hey, look, here's what's going on. I want to kind of prime the pump a little bit. What do you think? Cool. Can I share it this, this Thursday at our prayer gathering? Absolutely. That'd be great. So I go and I share. And after watching all of their mouths just kind of drop and hit the floor all almost at, like, at the same time, because they get this too, the dynamics of all this. And the fact that it doesn't have to just be 1,800 boxes. It could be double that if we wanted it to. If we can find people to give it to, we can, we can have it. And they're just like, what? And they hadn't even heard about it. I said Farms to Families Initiative, and they're like, what's that? So I had to explain it all to them. And they're like this, like, we're in. I said, okay, I'll get back to you. And then on Friday, I went downtown, had lunch with our mayor. And I said, ma'am, this is as simple as it gets. There's boxes, comes to location. I've got to get rid of them. But I want to help people. What do you think? Now, I had already kind of had a little bit of conversations with her. I really believe the Lord's opened up the door for us to be very strategic in our city with our mayor. And just make no mistake about it, this is not about who you know. It's not, oh, look, I'm friends with not that it's influence if i can have some influence i can have some connection she's blown away that the faith community would say look you want to help us and then it gets even better so then i start to think well i've got 1800 boxes of food to get rid of every single week who's in need I'm like of course we'll let our church know the pastor's going to let their church know the pastors, just so you know, if they want to do this as an outreach for their church, they can get a set number of boxes every single week. They can come to our campus, they can load them up on the truck, and they can take them and disperse them any way they see fit to meet the needs of their church. It's not just a Canyon Hills thing. This is the faith community in San Luis Obispo being the faith community in San Luis Obispo. So I told them, this is not recognition. This is not anything. Matter of fact, we're not even calling it Canyon Hills food. We're actually saying today, we can officially say it, we are City Serve San Luis Obispo, done deal. And through City Serve, yeah, you can do that. And so now through City Serve San Luis Obispo, we are serving the needs of our community. So that's a done deal. So they know it's not about us. If they don't have the bandwidth to do it, the volunteers to do it, they can literally point their people towards our church. And they can just come on in, they can make their circle. They can grab their box, no questions asked, because we're going to help meet the needs of people. So then it gets better. Right across the street, Pacheco Elementary. Come to find out, at the same time that this is coming to flourishing, they had just got a phone call from the Slow Food Bank that says their 900 boxes that they've been getting to feed families during the summertime, three schools. I was on the phone with the principal of C.L. Smith just the other day. They took their boxes from 900 boxes and can now only give them 450 boxes. And at just the right time, 
we are receiving 1,800 boxes, which means we now get to partner not only with our community, but we get to partner with three schools that would have been shorted 450 boxes that would have to tell families, we're sorry, we can't do this. And we get to step in and say, we got you. Those are the things that I believe and that I think you believe are what bring influence. And I believe this to be true, just like it says in Matthew 5, that those good works will eventually lead people to glorify God. So what does this mean for us? Well, I'll tell you what it means for us. Is it's time for us to get to work. They're going to put a number up on the screen because here's where we're at. Not this Tuesday. Everyone say, not this Tuesday. It is not this Tuesday. (laughs) I'm going down to Pismo to spend the day with them because it's their first week. And I'm going to watch them do this. I'm doing that this Tuesday. Say, you're doing that this Tuesday. We're not this Tuesday. I'm just going to make that so clear. But the following Tuesday, July 7th, between 7 and 9 a.m., a truck will show up to this campus. They will pull in this parking lot, and we will unload all of the boxes. We will set them up, and then as we're getting all the things figured out, we will then unload those boxes, get them set up, work on our systems, get people to drive in, get them to drive out, serve people, And then when all the boxes are gone, and everyone said amen to that, all of the boxes are gone, we'll go home, we'll love our families, we'll thank God for his goodness, we'll do church, we'll pop on Zoom, we'll grab lunch together, social distancing, of course, go downtown, you can sit outside now, perfectly safe, and then the following Tuesday, we'll do it all over again, and then the following Tuesday, all over again. We get to do this until the end of the year, y'all. Notice we don't have to. Uh Uh-uh. We get to. We get to serve the needs of people. That's exciting to me. And I'm not expecting you to do cartwheels and backflips because you're sitting down right now, but that should be exciting to you. That you get to just show up and volunteer and just love on a person with a smile and a box. 20 pounds worth of food in a box. Feeds a family of four. Here you go. And who knows? Maybe one day we come out of this deal and people are ready to get back into whatever normal is. And they have something go on in their life and they remember a smiling face in a box. And they eventually walk through these doors and they hear a story about the one man who could change their life. His name's Jesus. And they come to Jesus and now they're saved. And then their family gets saved. And then their friends get saved. And it all starts with being salt and light. That's what we get to do. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media to hear more about what God is doing through our church at Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo. For more information, visit us at canyonhills.com.